0: welcome to you wherever you are at whomever you're with we are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend Uh, before we jump into our teaching if you've not yet discovered the you version bible app you want to download that on your phone or your device absolutely free all kinds of resources and you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message also when you're in your favorite podcast player if you'd likewise search for arlington fm church There you will find all of our teaching content. You can listen to it yourself, share it with friends, and help get the good word out. Well, uh, this morning, uh, we are uh, kind of unofficially uh, finished with our series called Uncommon Sense, Learning to Live in the Wisdom and Power of God's Spirit, Uh, but I really felt led uh, to add a postscript uh, to our message this morning, and in particular, uh, this postscript is for people who don't like uh, squishy or spiritual stuff. Uh, hear that again? This postscript message is for people that kind of get the creeps when spirituality gets a little too squishy or a little unusual, and they can't quite get a hold of it. And maybe you're like that. You like your theology a concrete and clear. You know, you're kind of a turner burn. Uh, repent or perish, get in or get out, do something or leave the restroom for someone else or something like that. Uh, but maybe the best thing that I've said as far as you're concerned uh, during this series is a commitment to no weird stuff that we're not going to get into a weird ground when we talk about uh, learning to live in the wisdom and the power of God's spirit. And I certainly get that Uh, You know, there's something going on uh, in the southern part of our country, in Kentucky, at a college campus, uh, been in motion for at least a couple of weeks now. And uh, there's what a lot of people are calling an outpouring of God's spirit. Maybe when you think about that, uh, just the fact that it's happening at a university in Kentucky is enough to weird you out. But uh, here's the truth. You know, sometimes uh, God moves in ways uh, that we can't quite figure out. He does things that we can't quite pin down. Jesus said, uh, with the life of the Spirit, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like the wind. You know, when when it's happening, its effects are obvious. And if the effects aren't obvious, maybe the Spirit of God isn't indeed moving. But, uh, you know, uh, here's a a point I want to kind of provoke you with. Uh, What if, uh, without the Spirit of God, we're kind of like Ezekiel had that vision Uh, of God's people, like a valley of dry bones. And uh, What if that glimpse uh, was actually from God, and it's in the Bible, we believe it is. Uh, But the whole point of that is, when people that uh, believe in God aren't animated by the active life of his spirit, they might as well be dead and dry bones. Uh, What if Jesus was not kidding around when he said it's to our advantage that he goes away? Because if he does, he would send the spirit of God to be with us. What if Jesus was actually speaking truthfully when he said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can even bear. Uh, But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And, uh, you know, what if Jesus was giving real marching orders when he said, don't even leave the city? until the Spirit of God has clothed you with power, and then you'll be my witnesses uh, to the ends of the earth. Uh, You know, we've looked at this passage in uh, 1 Corinthians, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has even conceived of. These are the things that God has prepared for those who love him and the things that God has revealed to us by his Spirit. Uh, Paul says, so that we can understand what God has freely given us. And I just want to ask you this question. Uh, What if uh, we really are uh, impotent and uh, unable to apprehend the things that God wants to pour into our lives, if not for the engagement and the activity of the Spirit? You know, uh, we introduced this idea a few weeks ago of being open to being influenced And uh, you know, it's such a critical reality in married life that uh, it's one of the hallmarks of couples that are able to stay together and do well over the years is they're actually open uh, to being influenced and shaped by one another's uh, perspectives, behaviors, and values. But here's the problem with open to being influenced. It's not normal. It doesn't come easy for us, especially for us guys, you know, we uh, we like to have things our way. You don't really like being influenced by someone else. Well, Jesus addresses uh, this idea of being willing, open to being influenced by his spirit. Uh, with one of his leaders, a point guard for his church, a guy named Peter. Uh, here's what Jesus said after he'd risen from the dead. and met with Peter, uh, giving him his marching orders. He said, uh, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were young, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted to. In other words, uh, he did his own thing. He independent, he was independent. He was his own man, his own thinker. And uh, Jesus said, "Look, that's going to change now. When you're old, when you're mature, you will stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Uh, see, that's called being open. To influence, and uh, then Jesus adds these rather, uh, you know, ominous words. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, "Follow me." You know, those are harsh words. Those are difficult words. And you gotta wonder uh, why would Jesus, who came that we might have abundant life, why would he even say things like that? Well, here's the truth. The reason he said them. Is because this is the way to abundant life uh, by yielding, by opening up to, by being willing to be influenced uh, by another, in this case, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, um, here's the truth that I've learned. Uh, Like any good discipline, anything that hurts, anything that's hard, uh, if you're going to do it and do it regularly, you have to believe that there's some good on the other side of the should. If you're going to, whether it's take up exercise, deny yourself certain foods, earn income and store up wealth for your future, you've got to believe that there's some great good on the other side of the shoulds, the things that you have to do. You know, Paul addresses this in talking about living under the influence of the Spirit of God. In Galatians chapter 5, this great letter on freedom, Paul says, uh, so here's what I'm saying. Walk by the Spirit, be open to being influenced and led, and you will not satisfy the desires uh, of your old nature, of your flesh. Uh, for here's the truth: the flesh desires or wants what is contrary to the spirit. And you say, well, that's kind of puts me at odds with myself, doesn't it? And the answer to that is yes. The spirit wants what is contrary to our natural appetites or our flesh. In fact, they are in conflict with each other, Paul says, so that, we are, so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, if you're open to being influenced, you experience liberty and you don't live under the law. You know, uh, that may sound like a lot of shoulds. You know, I have to uh, deny myself, have to follow the leading of the Spirit, even though it's not what I want. There is indeed this internal conflict. As somebody said it's like you got two big dogs inside of you, a white one, and a black one, and the one you feed the most is the one that's going to win. Yeah, I was reminded of uh, the difficulties the uh, the Boeing uh, 777 Max had, or 737 Max had, with a, kind of an internal conflict. You know, there were some things going on with the uh, software and the control of that plane that fought against the pilot. And much as they tried to pull that thing up, it kept pulling the nose down. And uh, here's a a kind of a reality check is uh, how long are you willing to go and pretend that conflict doesn't exist? How much uh, consequence do you have to bear before you acknowledge there is indeed a conflict going on within every one of us who want to follow Jesus, who want to experience abundant life? And that conflict is we're either going to live according to our own influence or we're going to open up to the influence of his spirit. You know, Paul goes on to talk about the good that's on the other side of the should, uh, of being willing to be led. Here's what he says in Galatians 5. Now the acts of our flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, that just sounds like a trash life, and that's exactly What he's describing, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, arguments or dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Uh, Paul says, look, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, that's not a pretty description. In fact, as you read through that list you may find a couple of things in there that you're kind of drawn to. Not so bad. But the truth of the matter is, if you add them all up, it's a really ugly portrait of what a human being looks like who's being led by their own appetites and desires. You know, uh, to my shame, I can tell you once that I stood in the front yard of our duplex talking with our neighbor, and he literally was crying, uh, talking about how hard it was living next door to me and my derelict roommates. And uh, like I said, it's to my shame, uh, but you don't have to convince me that living according to our natural desires is a pretty ugly way to live. Well, then Paul describes the beauty that's on the other side of being willing to be led and influenced by his spirit. He says, but the fruit or the evidence, the outworkings of being led by the spirit is love, joy, joy peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The person who's living like this is living a free and a wonderful life. Uh, This kind of guy you want your daughter to marry, and this kind of neighbor you want to have. But Back to this truth, it really begins with whether or not we're willing to be led, to be influenced by the spirit whom we cannot see. But whom the scriptures talk about from cover to cover, and whom Jesus said would be gifted to us. You know, excuse me. Uh, There's another uh, example of someone who uh, initially started his religious experience doing it all on his own, uh, being led by his own uh, determination, oh, strength of his will. It was a guy named Paul. And uh, we come upon uh, Paul's, what's called Paul's conversion. In Acts chapter 9, and as the scene opens up, you know, Paul's living large. He's got his uh, religious orientation. He's dedicated to the God of Israel. He's breathing out murderous threats, we're told. And uh, he went to the high priest. He asked him for authorization that he could go to yet another region of the country and harass followers of Christ. Uh, Paul, uh, he had his religion, but he had his mean spirit too. He was able to be violent, judgmental, uh, harmful, full of rage, and call it good. In fact, he called it God. And uh, God had a different agenda for Paul. And it looked quite different from what he had experienced up until he encountered Jesus and the life of his spirit, we're told. As Paul neared Damascus on his journey, uh, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you living this kind of violent, rage-filled life? And uh, Saul responds, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men traveling with Saul stood there, speechless, They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, get this, when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. He was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. You know, here's kind of a summary of Paul's experience in a flash of light. He went from being mean, tough guy, know-it-all, man of faith, old-fashioned religion, Saul, In a flash of light, he went to being blind, led by the hand, dependent on others, being told what to do in his response to God. That's a radical change and something uh, dramatically changed in Paul's experience of God. He went from living out his own agenda to being open now to wherever God would want to lead and direct him. The story goes on. Uh, we're told that then Ananias went to the house where Paul was staying, or Saul was staying. He entered in. He placed his hands on Saul, and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's the, uh, the origin of this new life that the Apostle Paul would embark on. And it begins with uh, encountering Jesus and now being filled with his spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. What a dramatic experience. What an outward sign of what's happening in Paul's heart. That he went from this rigid, self-styled religion. Uh, Now he's blind, he's touched, he's filled Something like scales fell from his eyes. He's able to see clearly, and uh, he got up. He was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Well, uh, uh, here's a, a point to make that for the, the uh, Apostle Paul, uh, this was not a one-time experience for him, this uh, coming to a place where he was willing to be open, to be influenced uh, by a spirit, the Spirit of God, to be led into a life of uh, really effective service to Jesus Christ. Uh, this was not a one-time event for Paul. It was a lifestyle. In fact, uh, Paul will disclose one of his other letters, uh, that he, he wrestled with this thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what it was, but we know that it, it, it led Paul to a place where he was at that time weak, where he was at times vulnerable, where he he couldn't be this uh, self-controlled, self-assertive man that he once was. He was now more dependent. And here's how uh, Paul speaks of that thorn in the flesh. He says three times, I begged God, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But here's what uh, the one who was leading me said to me. He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness Therefore, Paul reached a conclusion, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about the things that make me depend on God, about the things that make me lean into his spirit, about the things that would even cause me to be vulnerable and open to being influenced. I'm going to boast more gladly about my weaknesses for this reason, so that Christ's power may rest on me Uh, You know, one of the uh, basic core teachings of the Bible is that pride comes before a fall. uh, When we feel uh, that we don't need uh, this guidance, we don't need this teacher, we don't need this influence uh, gifted to us by Jesus himself uh, to lead us away from a life uh, that is uh, broken, wasted, ineffective, and into a life that is fruitful in every way. Uh, bearing the evidence of his spirit. You know, uh, we either learn that uh, through life's experiences, it's called humility, or uh, humility is uh, forced upon us. And much like Paul, we we come into a crisis, we suddenly realize that uh, doing things on our own is really no way of doing things at all. And we can choose humility and God's promise as if we do. If we step into that place where we're open and receptive to the influence of his spirit, uh, he promises that he'll lift us up, brush us off, lead us on uh, into his good, perfect, and pleasing will. Uh, This prayer uh, that we launched into this series with, I want to pray this over you and for all of us. Uh, Paul simply says we continually ask God. We repeatedly, we keep this prayer every before, before him. We ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will, that clarity of sight, the scales dropping from your eyes uh, through all the wisdom and the understanding that only the spirit can give to us uh, so that we may live lives that are worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, thank you so much uh, for your desire uh, to pour good things into our lives I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave everything in order that we could be restored, be renewed, be born again, become children of God. I thank you, Lord, that you didn't leave us as orphans. You didn't leave us to try to figure out how to journey through this complicated life on our own. Certainly not according to our own appetites and inclinations. And we would just receive you afresh right now, Lord Uh, Thank you uh, for the desire that you have and the ability you have to uh, bring your spirit uh, into our lives. Uh, Lord, maybe we are like those dry bones in the valley that Ezekiel caught a glimpse of and uh, entertained that question. uh, Are these dry bones able to live? And uh, God said, absolutely. (laughs) Call for the wind to breathe upon those bones. And they came to life. Lord, thank you. Uh, For the gift of your spirit, uh, we would just uh, open up to your influence right now. And, uh, Lord, wherever that leads, whatever tough decisions your spirit will cause us to make, we thank you that uh, you get very specific when we open up to you, Lord. You begin to guide us uh, in our thought lives, in our behaviors, in our actions, in our choices. And thank you, Lord, that there is this internal uh, conflict going on, and uh, we want to choose the right one, Lord. We want to end up on that side where the the fruit of your Spirit is abundant in our lives, the love, joy, the peace, patience, the kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your faithfulness to us. Pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.